0: Through the marvels of scientific advance, my voice is coming to you from a satellite circling in outer space. My message is a simple one. To you and all mankind, America's wish for peace on Earth and goodwill to men everywhere. The Interplanetary Podcast.
1: The exploration of space for the benefit of all humankind.
0: Your host in England, Matthew Russell. (inaudible), Oh, yeah, baby, Eisenhower. And that was a quote from Eisenhower, of course, who was the person that uh, went out of his way to set up NASA, well, the world's most famous space agency, and uh, who are currently uh, riding a bit of a high. I'm going to do a quick shout-out to the two mega patrons they know who they are that's justin roberts and drew wright can't quite believe your generosity but absolutely amazing thank you so much uh, all the way over in texas and all the way over in nottingham you guys rule ah oh, i'm here all on my own I'm going to do a very quick podcast. I've got an interview that I want to get out before the 5th of December because there is the Abu Dhabi space debate. So, my guest today is Ibrahim Al Qasim, who works for the United Arab Emirates Space Agency. And uh, yeah, I wanted to get this uh, interview out before the 5th. Well, I'll let him uh, tell you all about it. But I thought, you know, just just uh congratulations to uh NASA for the launch of SLS of course and Artemis which uh, as I speak is making its way round uh the the moon, <laughs> which is pretty exciting stuff. I will try and uh, think about uh, doing an SLS episode uh, when all this is over and the dust has settled, as, as it were. Uh, it's worth mentioning, of course, I'm really excited about my friends over at Goon Hilly who, of course, are, uh, they're playing a role in this, tracking Artemis as it goes around the moon. That's pretty exciting stuff. And, of course, European Space Agency are supplying the service module and of course, the UK are involved in the Lunar Gateway as well, so it's it's uh, it's not just an American endeavor. There's uh, there's a lot going on, but of course, the launch of the SLS rocket is is a big milestone. We've been talking about it ever since this podcast started. So, congratulations, NASA! But also, a massive, massive congratulations to the new UK astronauts. So that's Rosemary Coogan. She will become the UK's third ever astronaut after Tim Peake and Helen Sharman, both of whom have been interviewed by the uh, podcast uh, Hint Hint Rosemary. Then there'll be uh, the Paralympian John McFall, who will be the first ever astronaut with a physical disability from the UK. Really exciting. Of course, he's from Surrey. So I'm fingers crossed. Hopefully I'll get an an interview with with Rosemary and John. And then there's Megan Christian. Who also completed the astronaut selection process and will become a member of the ESA Astronaut Reserve. Um, Yeah, I just, before I go over to uh, talk about, um, before I I, uh, let Ibrahim talk about the United Arab Emirates Space Agency, I was actually thinking to myself, I wonder how many space agencies there are in the world right now. And it turns out that there's 77 different governmental space agencies. So that's, I guess, uh, a space agency has to be a government agency engaged in activities in outer space or space exploration. So there's 77 of them. Uh, 16 are able to launch. So I think that's including suborbital launches as well. Um, so not many and even fewer who are able to get people into space. In fact, there's only three space agencies in the world who are able to launch people into space, and that's United uh, United States, of course, NASA, Russia with Roscosmos, and China with the CNSA, the Chinese National Space Administration. So, yeah, not many people can get uh, people into space, but there are a lot of um, space agencies out there. And, of course... Even though there's the European Space Agency, we have in Europe lots and lots of very big space agencies uh, as part of the European Space Agency. In fact, one of the biggest space agencies uh, altogether is the the French CNES, uh, the National Centre for Space Studies. That's one of the biggest... um, uh, I mean, that's the fourth biggest space agency. They have a budget almost half of ESA's budget so it's pretty massive and in fact its budget is bigger than Roscosmos can you imagine that uh the Indians aren't far behind Russia so the United States China ESA France Russia India Italy Japan Germany South Korea and the United Kingdom are your kind of top spenders with Canada of course not too far behind, and then all lots of other Algeria, Belgium, Spain, Switzerland, all trailing behind. But just to put that into perspective, uh, if you're talking about budgets, the United States spends roughly $22, 23000000000 billion a year, <laughs> whereas China spends about $11 billion a year, and then the UK spends about half a billion dollars which is still quite a lot, right? And uh, European Space Agency spends about seven and a half billion. So, and of course, that a lot of money from the UK Space Agency is set aside for the European Space Agency. Same with France, same with Germany, same with Italy. They all spend a lot of money and they decide, their, their, their country's space agencies decide how much money they're going to be spending uh, with ESA and how much money they're going to be spending on their own national endeavours. So the European Space Agency is very different to NASA in that respect is is that there isn't kind of competing states in America for uh, in space but there are in Europe so you can you know Germany could work with the UK on something or the UK could work with the Japanese on something and nothing to stop us from doing that but we all work together through ESA in, including Canada as well do a little bit of stuff through ESA. So yeah it's very interesting. There's lots and lots and lots and lots of space agencies. And one of them, of course, is the United Arab Emirates. With that, uh, I think I'm going to pass you over to Ibrahim from the United Arab Emirates. Ecoute! The Interplanetary Podcast,
1: putting the ace in back into space! I'm
0: joined on the podcast by Ibrahim Al-Qasim, who is the Deputy Director General of the United Arab Emirates Space Agency. Welcome to the show, uh, and, and thank you very much for agreeing to do oh, this. Thank Ibrahim. you for
1: the invitation, it's such a pleasure to be here.
0: So first of all, before we get started, uh, yeah, the UAE Space Agency, can you give us uh, a kind of little rundown of, of how it was born and, and why there is a united arab emirates space agency because that that may even surprise some people or shouldn't but it may so um this year uh,
1: 2022 marks the 25th year since the beginning of the uae's space program um and we roughly measure that uh from the time the uae acquired its very first space asset um 25 years i think it was 1999 or 97 sorry um, but the UAE Space Agency was established in 2014, so many, many years after that. Um, I think the UAE Space Agency came at a time where uh, the space sector in the, in, in the UAE started to grow, and, um, and we're all small nations. So uh, uh, it's a relatively small space program and, and better coordination and, and understanding what the national priorities are um, f- um, for the country in space was was critical. Uh, it also came at a time where the UAE um, intended to send the very first space exploration uh, mission. Most of our missions were uh, Earth-based uh, missions, whether in sat communication or, or Earth observation. Uh, the Emirates Mars mission um, the spacecraft. Uh, hope came um, or was announced at uh, the same time uh, as the establishment of the UAE Space Agency, and the funding was to come for from uh, the federal government uh, to support uh, a more scientific-based uh, uh, sort of mission.
0: Presumably, that Mars mission then that had been talked about had been put on the table before the space agency was formed, and and so what was there before the space agency that was that allowed you to get that space asset? In back in 1997, and 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 presumably do other things in space since then. So, if we, if
1: I could maybe talk a little bit about the history of of why the UAE started, and actually talk a little bit about the history of the UAE, and then and then where space sort of started to become a national priority. um uh, yeah. Roughly around 50 years ago, 1971, uh, on December the second, the UAE gained independence and became um, a, a sovereign nation in the. And at the time, or roughly a few years before that, the UAE was one of the poorest nations in the world. Um, I think some of the shocking statistics that I went through a while back was that one in every three women didn't make it through labor. And it was just because we didn't have access to the most basic of healthcare um, uh, services. Um, and, and so n- 1971 um, happens, and, and obviously oil dis- discovered... Uh, about a decade before then and um and this this race to develop the country uh begins and we're talking about the most basic of infrastructure uh education healthcare roads bridges uh, and connecting the seven emirates together um it was an interesting time because there's a there's a picture that we've we've sort of um we have up in the in the in our headquarters in the uh, space agency of um, a visit by NASA astronauts in 1976, so about five years into the, the union. Um, and, and they, they have a, a small model of the of the shuttle program. and they're explaining to the to one of the founding fathers of, of the country, uh, the late uh, Shah Zayed, about this this cutting edge or this this sort of the cusp of, of human ingenuity and, 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 um, and innovation. Which was still a couple of years away from its first flight, um, and that that picture is very significant for me because um, here we were just starting to put the you know the the beginnings of a of building a modern state, and we're looking at um, a very significant part of, of of human development in space. order. Uh, and I can't help but think what was going on in his mind at the time um he had very different priorities for the country but i'm I'm sure space um would have been something that he would have loved to see uh so many decades pass and in fact 2004 um uh, the founding father Lech side passes and it's not until about 15 years after he passes that we have our very first astronaut um launched into the uh, uh iss um so going back a little bit to talk about why space and then how we progressed in it. So 1997, uh, very sort of commercially oriented, uh, was established as a satellite communication company, uh, procured a few assets, uh, and started commercializing, uh, 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 satellite communication at 2006, a very significant, um, and it, it sort of, it starts to answer the question on how fast we moved into the Mars mission 2006, um, a small research institution was established under the name of the Emirates Institution for Advanced Science and Technology, and space was one of the major sort of uh, divisions that they they started to focus on. It was a a joint uh, knowledge sort of development program with some South Korean partners, um, and it was it was the very first attempt to build upstream capabilities in space here in the UAE. It was focused on multispectral remote sensing, uh, missions, uh, device one and device at two were the very first, uh, two missions. And it was actually a few days after the launch of device two in 2013. Um, and at the time I was working at, at EAST, um, we got a, a phone call from cabinet saying that, uh, we would like to fund a mission to explore Mars. Uh, can you build the spacecraft? Um, And I remember, I mean, we had spoken about our next mission, uh, but we had never thought about, you know, pushing it towards maybe something like a a scientific mission to explore, uh, uh, to explore essentially another planet. Um, We ran through a a quick feasibility study and the answer was yes, we can do it. Um, One of the, Objectives was this needs to be an inspirational mission. This needs to provide novel science to the to the global science community about Martian uh, science, uh, and this needs to be launched and arrive at Mars before our fiftieth anniversary uh, as a nation, which was in uh, 2021. Um, the impact that uh, EMM had had over the sector in the in the six or seven years it stretched was very significant um, uh, and I think it had achieved, it had achieved its objective of inspiring a new generation of, of STEM uh, students and, uh, um, and STEM workers essentially. One point to maybe emphasize, the reason why we, we are investing in space is the UAE is still uh, in in some cases dependent on Uh, the export of raw material and hydrocarbons. And space was going to be the medium at which we diversify our economy and a catalyst to a larger science and technology
0: ecosystem. A lot of nations are looking to to space as being the next kind of frontier in terms of yeah what do you what do you do next when 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 you when you have got hydrocarbons anymore and it's um so it's it it's it it does seem like a, a fairly safe bet but presumably there's still pushback from people in in your parliaments and uh, that sort of say no it it's it's too risky because it still seems like a very risky sector
1: absolutely and then um what's so, so there's still the question of why do we why why are we sending a probe to study Mars? I mean, there aren't there, you know, millions of people dying of hunger every year here. Why why aren't we investing in in in, in education? Why is this a priority? Um and I I think I mean it's it's um it's not difficult to convince people that uh, investing in 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 uh, in a space program would would have a, a strong spillover effect on a larger sort of uh, industrial complex and drive innovation train young people it's space is not what we aim to build or what we aim to cater for um space is a mean uh, to an end it's about changing the culture of a of a country that historically has been a said a, a traders um a culture. We are traders by nature. We are these, these coastal cities that have traded for cent for centuries to move into a mindset of an industrial
0: culture. It, it's hard enough convincing the public uh, that space missions are worthwhile, but obviously you, you've got to convince people who are who are the money people who are who are dishing out the money and choosing what projects your nation want mm-hmm. to pursue. Is that is that your sort of primary? Is that the primary? Um, Purpose of it of a space agency is to kind of lobby really for for the value of your particular sector.
1: Uh, so absolutely. I think I think this is the role that the U.S. space agency takes. Um, so we represent space on a federal level. Um, we report directly to cabinet, and it's our job to lobby on behalf of the sector, uh, both on a federal and and local government um, uh, uh, level to support. Uh, both industry and science across the country. Uh, so, so lobbying and, and funding the Mars mission, uh, funding MAX, which is the mission to um, uh, to explore the asteroid belt, uh, uh, which launches uh, in 2028. And also the the recently announced um, CERB program, which is the first attempt to build a constellation of radar satellites here in the UAE. Um, it sort of complements the, the the other remote sensing capabilities with a major focus on the establishment of the private sector. So these are all a train of opportunities that the space agency lobbies uh, for in order to provide private sector across all three streams. So upstream, midstream and, and downstream and, and build a more sustainable sort of um, uh,
0: space economy. In terms of building your commercial space sector, is that is that is that sort of a major priority now? Uh,
1: absolutely. So um, EMM uh, started uh, that; it was just at the right point of um, uh, our space uh, program, um, and and then Max has a much bigger mandate to support a private ecosystem, um, and to complement that sort of so the program, which is a, a much sort of longer term uh, investment. Would also make sure that these train of opportunities continue to come and, and continue to support that
0: ecosystem. Some of your the actual hardware, the actual stuff that flies, is presumably built in. Like I noticed that that uh, South Korea, obviously, you, you mentioned earlier, was one of your partners that built stuff, and I, and I believe even even uh, the UK has been involved with with uh, building. Right. Certain parts of the of that infrastructure, but but the idea is to is to to set your own manufacturing base as well and the capability to do that. So I
1: don't think we will be building every mission uh, entirely um, here in the UAE. I think that the the idea is to build um, to build on our sort of competitive advantage and build a, a niche or focus on a niche and be part of a larger global uh, value chain. Um, I think that's the way maybe uh, that's the way everyone does it. Uh, so we focus yeah. on. Uh, systems engineering and <clears throat> certain sort of um, subsystems that we would want to, our industries to perfect uh, and then outsource the rest of these um, uh, uh, components.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a testament to how hard space is that like, it, it's it's almost always an international endeavor, isn't it? Exactly.
1: I mean, I, I think which is what enabled the, the amazing um, milestones or the amazing uh, jumps that we've We've, we've had uh, throughout the history of space industry. I don't think any one nation could have done it on its own.
0: Is that one of the strings of a space agency is to actually... Because it certainly worked with the International Space Station. It, it, it sort of... It, it, it gave a sort of a route of 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 nations to talk to one another and, and cooperate with one another. It's, and, and so presumably that, that's also one of the arguments you can make for why space is is important, because it gives you this opportunity to partner up with international partners. It, it gives you no choice but to partner up with, with international partners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I mean, but obviously that has like upstream and downstream effects again with 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 the fact that you're now you know you're 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 dealing with an international partner and and, and therefore you've opened up a, a communication channel and uh, in some ways taken seriously as well as 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 a sort of player on the stage. I mean, in in terms of from where from where I'm sitting, something like Hope the the, you know, the Mars mission, it, it you know just instantly puts you to say, wow they, they they're that that's that's serious. They're they're a serious player on the stage as a space agency, right?
1: Absolutely, but then Hope wouldn't have been, in my opinion, as 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 impactful had it not sort of built upon previous mission, had it not contribute to novel science. Um, and uh, and so I think as we look back and and, and sort of measure uh, the impact Hope has had, I mean, two point five. Uh, terabytes of of data captured and and downloaded um more than 170 uh conferences we've participated with 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 data coming from uh from from hope and then for the first time the uh observing a a global view of the discrete aurora and this was something that was i mean uh, uh here within the way this was something of a of a, of a sort of a national pride this this was something that we were extremely happy with um so yes i mean build on what has happened before and 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 and, and push together towards really pushing the boundaries of, of, of what we know as humans
0: yeah, so you have a space debate that's that's coming up um, shortly. Can you tell us a little bit about why you're why you're having this space debate and and what it actually means?
1: Um, all right. So the Bulawayo space debate is scheduled to happen on the fifth and sixth of December. Um, we spoke a little bit about how this is a. I mean, we live at a, an extremely exciting time for spacefaring nations. I mean, this is. A time where mega constellations and a potential colony in orbit around the moon is, and space tourism are all just around the corner. And we see the technology that will enable that uh, very soon. Um, it's never been so cheap to put payloads around uh, uh, Earth orbit um, and and do so in a, in a massive scale. So this sort of unlocks an interesting era of, of uh, for the space industry, but if we learn anything from from, from climate change, uh, it's an a an early intervention and in building a, a sustainable model um, is critical to avoid um, irreversible damage to the environment we're operating in. Um, so, so space environment sustainability is a is a is a major um, sort of uh, agenda item on on the uh, Abu Dhabi space debate uh, discussion. Um, there's also the the political and military side of, of space. I mean, space has always been very political ever since the beginning of the space race. So it's, it's <laughs> nothing new. Um, but I think putting together a more inclusive and global narrative um, and addressing challenges and listening to perspectives of well-established spacefaring pioneers, Um, as well as space aspiring or space um, uh, sort of emerging uh, nations is very important. Um, We're looking at it from a perspective that we need to bring the space community as well as the highest level of political leadership um, uh, to attend and and discuss um, uh, space sustainability. We've invited heads of states, ministers of science and technology, ministers of foreign affairs, uh, ministers of defense, space commanders, uh, space um, uh, agency heads, obviously in an industry and uh, and the community of, uh, of of space scientists to come. there'll be There'll be discussions again, uh, along the tracks of geopolitics of space, um, on a science and technology policy perspective, the impact of space on it, um, as well as a a panel of space commanders to talk about. You know the the challenges in in space from a military perspective as well.
0: We've had quite a few times on the podcast we've we've talked about uh, the outer space treaty and 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 the legal aspects of space. Is there is that something that is that because it always seems very contentious that no one kind of wants to touch the outer space treaty because it's it's kind of been there for ages. And is that something that you're you're going to address in terms of the the kind of the legal framework that that it, everyone's internationally signed up to is that uh, that it may not it may not be fit for purpose for much longer.
1: So I think about five international treaties govern uh, the space today, and I, and and all of them were done were were signed at a time at a very different time. Um, so uh, I mean, whether it's uh, at ADSD or or different international platforms, I think it's the time has come for us. To have a serious conversation about uh, the rea- reality of what technology has been able to 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 allow today, um, and and perhaps look at a, a more modern way for treaty to govern space today.
0: Tell, tell us a little bit more about that mission that you're going to the asteroid belt, because I've not actually heard that. And is, is <laughs> does that have kind of a future of of things like asteroid mining, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, in mind?
1: so uh yes so in um this was announced i think last year and and we've had our we're actually coming up to our srr next month um the objective of this mission is to understand the 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 origins and evolution of of water-rich um asteroids um we're doing a, a grand tour of the asteroid belt well first we're actually launching in the opposite direction going towards venus doing a gravity assist and then flying back Towards Earth, Mars, and then into the asteroid belt, um, rendezvousing with seven different uh, asteroids and landing on,
0: on on the very last one. Oh, right. So, yeah, presumably ion engines are involved there to to do such that kind of mission. Or, or is it is it end of next month?
1: We will officially come out with all the technical details and then specific um, asteroids
0: that we will be targeting during the mission. Obviously it's a science based mission, but obvious, but the but the science obviously is there to kind of guide what we do, particularly maybe commercially with space down the line. Is, is there talk of is is there already talk of in a kind of sensible way about things like asteroid mining or, or what might actually in terms of space resort natural space resources, or are we nowhere near that stage yet? So this mission could help understand or
1: inform future missions of, of maybe asteroid uh, exploitation. Um, it's my personal opinion that we're not too far out um, from feasibly exp- you know, exploring and exploiting uh, asteroids for, for, for minerals and, and resources. Um, it's not today's technology, but it seems like technology is progressing towards that direction um mm-hmm. towards the direction of having a maybe semi-permanent um colony uh, you know semi-permanent extraterrestrial colony um but i i wouldn't venture to to, to guess maybe a uh, timeline for this but
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i know I, I, it's it, it's just it, obviously it's something that interests the listeners in terms of you know that it's it's the kind of far-reaching stuff of you know where where are we going? And obviously, that's that's your job as a as a as a space agency is to kind of second guess almost what the next stage might be, so that you're sort of pointing in the right direction. And have I have I kind of got that right in terms of the feel of a space agency? Uh, that's
1: what space agencies are about, and that's what people, I guess, geeks like you and I, um, who really do <laughs> think about space, love to sort of ponder.
0: Yeah, no, no, absolutely, and and you've and you've got a. Have, you said you had a moon mission as well. Is that correct? So that's coming up. Yes,
1: so there's a there's a, a um a Rashid rover which uh, launches, I believe, the end of this year, and um, it'll, it'll be our first uh, uh, rover or uh, to land on 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 uh, on the moon. Uh, there's a sequel mission that is also scheduled to launch, I think, four years from
0: now. All the missions that we've heard of so far, that they're they're very much sort of science-based missions. You're trying to bring back, like you said, it's the the fact that you've brought back these terabytes of data and is is a source of national pride, and obviously that that propagates to all the universities of the world, etc. Um, is 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 that currently where you see the the UAE just sort of remaining in that kind of science sector, the hard science of of going out and collecting, or will you, or do you think that you'll start to branch out into things like uh, launches as well in terms of getting stuff? Because obviously it's cheap to get into low Earth orbit at the moment, but that's mainly down to a handful of people almost and, and mainly Americans.
1: <laughs> so it's it's cheap if you've made the decades and billions or tens of billions of dollars in investments. It's cheap to do it today. Um, I don't think <laughs> it's feasible for us at this point to enter the launch um, vehicle market. Uh, it makes no sense. I think we'll continue to focus on the payloads. Um, maybe to address the question, uh, so for launch vehicles, I don't think we have anything in the pipeline. It doesn't make sense economically. Um, hmm. we continue to focus on science. I think science will remain a very primary objective as part of you know our, our sp- space program, but then the most important aspect in making um, the UA space uh, program economically. Uh, feasible is to obviously have the spillover effect and have a larger sort of in- industry um, that benefits from these missions. Uh, so the, the the focus on building industrial capacity and 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 engineering technolo- technological technological um, capabilities, I think, will continue. And I think that would that would guarantee that we're able to continue to invest in scientific missions. Um, we, t- we spoke a little bit about why we're going into space in the beginning of the UAE, and it, the larger this this ecosystem um, uh, that can sort of reap the benefits of sending a, a scientific mission to Mars and, and other planets, um, the more likely it is for us to successfully lobby the government for more funding for scientific missions.
0: I mean, in terms, of, we have obviously the similar situation with the European Space Agency. We're always being told that the, the science missions that we do. Pay back the public because of the commercial operators that that um, feed them in terms of you know build build the infrastructure. Even even I'm, I'm sitting in a place called Guildford where we where we build some of those European space agency missions like the like the uh, Mars rover that uh, currently is sitting there. With maybe not a place to go at the moment, uh, but uh, that's another that's a completely uh, different story. So so in 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 that sense, you're you're the your space agency is is kind of quite similar to the European Space Agency in that in in that re- that regard. Although we do have a, a launch capability, but we're not sort of European Space Agency doesn't seem interested in launching its own astronauts, for example. I mean,
1: I think we have more than a lot of ground to cover before we we uh, were comparable to to the European Space Agency. But I I think um, we all operate under a um, a very similar sort of set of ambitions and, and and goals, and and we go to space for similar reasons.
0: Thank you very much for coming on the show, Ibrahim. That's it's like it's it's really fascinating. And like I said, I what what your space agency has achieved in terms of what we what we see from on a global level has been has actually been incredible. I mean, just an, an orbit around Mars is just you know it's amazing. Well, Matthew, thank you very much for the invitation. It was a pleasure
1: to talk to you, and I really uh, look forward to our next interaction. The Interplanetary Podcast is alive!
0: So there you go. That was Ibrahim. Uh, I will be back with a proper episode of the Interplanetary Podcast soon, once I can get that elusive Lynn back in the co-hosting chair. And then I promise in 2023 things will return a little bit back to normal. And uh, I'll try and get the podcast out more often, uh, even if it means me doing more of these solo shows. But I'll try and get it out there so I'd really like to thank all my patrons, of course, who've been with me thick and thin. The strange thing is this year this year's, the, 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 the listening figures have gone up, which is great. <laughs> Maybe people want me to post less. But, hey, uh, quality's still been high, and that would be impossible without the following people who've, who've helped me, kept the uh, Discord going, given me some great ideas, given me lots of support, uh, helped keep the lights on. So they are Paul Hilton Ian Holland Dr. Bob Hodges Alden Vala Bob Moore Malta Keisling Ben Guthrie Mark Schoen Ronald Hatcher Tristam Tupper-Hyde Tyrell McAllister Marissa Davis Gene Watchtanik, Seth H Mark Huber Nicholas Gillenstein Jim King Adam French Mark Kelly and Steve Croucher literally without all of you guys uh, it would just not be possible so thank you so much for your continued support and uh, yeah hopefully in the next couple of weeks there'll be a really cool episode with Lynn so uh, see you in a couple of weeks
1: bye bye podcast.